Welcome to Vet Talk with Royal Canin, where we are going to address a wide variety of topics of interest to veterinarians and veterinary clinics. I'm Brenda Andreessen, founding partner of The Bridge Club, the first video-based community created to enable industry professionals to connect, engage, learn, and grow in just 25 minutes. Since our launch in February 2018, more than 1,400 veterinary professionals have participated in 43 of our live and virtual events. They're great conversations, and I'm really happy to partner with Royal Canin to share the knowledge and maybe a few useful tips that you can use in your practice. So let's get started. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how to encourage more pet owners to bring their cats into the veterinary practice. Seems like this is an age-old topic. We've been talking for a very long time um, about how to do this. Um, and it's still amazing to me that less than half of all the cats in the U.S. visit the veterinarian regularly. Um, so while we know it's difficult to transport the pets, we've offered tips and, and uh, tricks about that. Um, the veterinary experience, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So today, to do that, we have two panelists, um, Dr. Jane Brunt, thank you for being here to talk with us, and Dr. Catherine Lennox. So let's dive right into the conversation and see if we can offer some new ideas for all the veterinary professionals who are listening in. So I'm really curious to know, why do you think still there are so few cats coming into the veterinarian on a regular basis. So Jane, let's talk with you. Yes, it's still such an opportunity. Um, we could call it a problem, but it's an opportunity to understand cat owners better and cats better. So we know that many, many owners think that their cat's inside, uh, doesn't go out, therefore it doesn't need to go to the veterinarian. Uh, so that's number one, awareness. Also, people think that cats hide their illnesses and they're, they're less likely to show their illnesses. So there might be delayed a recognition that the cat needs care. And, you know, really a, a, an important thing to think about is how am I going to get that crazy wild cat mm -hmm. into that box and get it into the carrier? It freaks out. It does all kinds of body things that are unpleasant. <laughs> it does get down to wanting to make it a pleasant experience for everybody. So, you know, Catherine, from your experience too, working with cats, as you know, as Jane was saying, making it a pleasant experience for everybody, how do you get into the mindset of the pet owner that it's going to be worth the effort to get it done? And then Jane, I would love to hear your perspective on that as well. So I guess the main thing is communicating that cats are gonna get sick and care is really for prevention. I mean, a six-year-old cat can be diagnosed with renal failure, chronic kidney disease, and that's a big issue that could be identified early on instead of when it's too late or when excessive care or when basically just a lot of supportive care would be needed. So identifying problems before they become massive problems, I think, is really important and it can be very difficult for pet owners to like Dr. Brunt said realize that their cat's actually showing clinical signs of being ill so I think that's a big problem because you can't identify when your cat's sick as easily as when you you know you may identify your dog being sick more frequently but at the same time cats are you know just as likely to become sick as dogs are so they do need to go to the vet just as often. 
Yeah, and if you think about the what we know about how prevalent oral disease is in cats and arthritis, and and those are two two really big things where we can help the cat. Um, obesity, of course, as a cause of arthritis, but when you think about the things that we see, especially in juvenile and young cats, we see dental disease, we see overweight and obese cats, and that is something that is critical for us to intervene early, early so that we can change the course of that. It's interesting too, because obviously pet owners love to see their cute little happy, healthy pets, right? And healthy often does mean obese, right? When you, they, they can't define which. So let's say we've convinced them that there are good medical reasons that you need preventive care. And we know they've gone online probably to read about getting, you know, getting the cat into the box to get in. What kinds of tips can the practice actually offer in advance um, of that attempted visit? Because we know there are aborted visits, right? Just because they can't possibly get it done. What can good practices do in advance to try to help them understand step one, step two, step three to make it easy? I think one thing that could be really beneficial is having a handout for clients that goes over the important parts of getting your cat to the vet very easily or more easily than you pos- than you think it could be. Having that and for every routine visit or every visit in general, email that out to the client. And whether that be a new appointment or a follow-up or any sort of appointment, just provide that information to pet owners so they can get their cat to the vet more So don't assume that they remembered what to do from the last time they did it. Right, absolutely. Clients need reinforcement on a regular basis. And I think providing that for them without them even asking for it is going to be a a good way to go. I don't know. Dr. Brunt may have a different opinion. Yeah. And for one thing, as you know, with cats, every every situation is different. And um, I guess in the practice setting, always anticipating that there's going to be a need to help for transport and and reinforcing that at the kid, you know, first kitten visits it goes pretty well usually so mm-hmm. that's the time to have a conversation about wow well, what do you do with a carrier do you leave it out because that would be really helpful to get the kitten habituated to the carrier and so we can give them tips about leaving it out leaving it up because usually cats like to go up a little mm-hmm. higher, um, leaving the door open and putting like something that smells like their favorite person uh, to make it more inviting. So starting early, to your point, always reminding and then just reinforcing that at every visit because, well, you know, I'm, we can talk about some other things too, but just even to add on that, at the very first phone call, do you need help? Tips, suggestions, can I send you a video on how to get your cat in the carrier? That kind of thing. I love that because that client communication, you're going to make them feel assured because they will know then it's not just my cat who's being wonky. It is cats are difficult. We recognize cats are difficult. Let us help you get them in here more successfully so it's less painful for everybody. That's so smart. So smart to do that. There absolutely are more challenges with getting cats comfortably to the vet, but I think Providing clients with good resources is essential. It shows you care, too, which is really nice, I think, in reinforcing the fact they're doing the right thing. There are so many resources out there, some good, some not so good, both for pet owners and for the team. So I would love if you would share some of your favorite resources for both of those groups to to turn to. Oh, of course. Uh, There are, and we 
always have to focus on what's curated and what's best. So when you think about um, helping the client get the cat in the carrier, what comes to mind is Catalyst Council's Cats and Carriers, Friends Not Foes, Five Simple Steps. So that's something you can actually download and just put right on your, right on your website so the client can um, click on that. And so that's just a conversation. Oh, I'll send you the link. Oh, visit our website. So that's one. The, um, the American Association of Feline Practitioners and their whole cat-friendly practice program has um, tips and resources and handouts to, to your um, comment about the handout. And um, cathealthy.ca, a Canadian initiative that has some great client and veterinary facing uh, resources on what's cat-friendly, what's handling, and yeah. So, Sounds like some yeah. good ones. Yeah, good thanks. Ones. So let's say we've been successful Kitty is in the carrier. Kitty is in the practice. What kinds of things, too, can be done within the practice? Because even once they get there, if there's a bad experience, we know it's going to make it more difficult for them to want to come back. And as you said, Jane, cats like to be higher. That's just one thing I think is forgotten so regularly. So uh, there's some phenomenal tips I know you both have on what to do once you're there in the practice uh, to make the exam go more successfully. I, I think good preparation with the team is essential. And obviously, cat-friendly practice and AFP's program for teaching your staff what good handling of cats is like, how to approach cats, how to understand their body language, and just, you know, just even to step up back a little further. If you can think about learning to use, instead of the word restrain, handle. Help me handle this cat, because that makes a huge difference in how you think as a veterinary professional, as your support team, what you're going to do with this cat. And another important thing to think about is it's all about where the cat wants to be. Yeah, maybe in the exam room they want to try and get underneath the, the, the counter or something like that. So, so um, just go with the flow with the cat. And they're, they're scared. I, I, and if we recognize that, that they're scared, then that gives us a chance to step back and think, okay, how do I approach this cat? And it's completely different from saying, this cat is mean, it's aggressive, go get the gloves, you know, no. That's so, that's so, so, so smart. Because again, as a pet owner, you're walking in and this is your beloved pet you're bringing in. You know, we know there's serious closeness that cat owners often have to their cats, you know, just like with dogs, but it feels, it feels like there's a different emotional attachment that cat owners have with their pets. So the word restrain, I think that's an excellent point there is it's a negative word and you want to make it a positive experience. And the same thing with the staff. If the staff are, are being very positive, um, again, it just really enhances that feeling of warmth and, and acceptance and understanding. Don't we all want to be understood? to some degree. Right. And you want to make it positive for the cat in the context of engaging them when they want to be engaged. So things like treats and little toys to first engage them, especially with kittens when they're all about, hey, hi, this is pretty cool. It is all about reinforce the positive. And I think it's really important to be flexible. We wouldn't hesitate to examine a Great Dane on the floor and maybe a cat who likes to be on the floor, which is a little more rare, but I wouldn't hesitate to sit down with a cat on the floor and do my exam there if that's what the cat preferred. So just being flexible and working with the cat instead of feeling like you're working against the cat, I think is very important. Let's talk for just a quick minute about the psychology of the cat owner. 
We talked about what the cat likes and what makes helps them to respond more positively to the interaction. What about the cat owner and how they can have a positive experience in the exam room too? Tips for that? We don't want owners to dread bringing their cats to the vet. That is going to make the problem more challenging than it already is, right? So I think giving them tools they need and telling them it's hard for everyone and just kind of commiserating with them is really important because I don't want to be the only person who thinks it's difficult to get my cat to the vet, right, if I'm a client. And telling them, yes, it can be very challenging. It's challenging for a lot of our clients. Do you need advice? And reassuring them in the process. Jane, you had some great suggestions, too, for how to engage with the client once they're in the exam room. Yes, and Catherine touched on a really important concept of empathy and and understanding what they have to do before they get there. So it's all about celebrating and congratulating. Say, for example, somebody adopts an older cat from a shelter. It's like, oh, my gosh, she's so beautiful. How great that you were able to take a cat in your home, and we're going to make this a really fun experience and a good experience. And and just celebrate them, celebrate the bond. It's all about what you're helping them do for this cat. It needs, it's a team. I love that because it's it's really about, like you said, making that human-animal bond and that connection less about the shots and the weight, more about helping that love um, come through and, and have as much longevity as possible. So cats are different than dogs, right? So a dog, it's if they don't eat a single meal or they don't look at their food the same way, I feel like you know when they're sick. Cats are very good hiders. They hide under the bed. They hide their illnesses. They hide everything. So I think it's really important to do regular vet visits because you can pick up on things that your cat probably isn't telling you about. I want to kind of circle back a little bit to the idea of getting a cat in a carrier, right? Because we know that's the safest place for them to be, to be transported into the practice. So there are guidelines for how to get a cat into a carrier, but is there some room for flexibility there too that should be communicated with the cat owner? Or is it, is it really, this is the way you need to do it for the greatest success? Well, just like Catherine was saying, every situation is different. And the the thing that's important is the cat has to be safe. So I do cringe a little bit when people carry the cat in their arms and they come out of the car and, and walk up the front steps. So we really do encourage an enclosure and a safe enclosure. But you're right, there are, um, I don't know if they're guidelines, but certainly tips on getting them acclimated and then where to put it so it's safe. And there are even carriers that have been crash tested and passed some rigorous uh training for that as well so and belt them in belt them in or put them on the floor so they you know don't slide around right so smart so smart so obviously we've talked a lot about um, encouraging them from the health reasons we've talked a little bit about getting them into the carrier we've talked about the you know how the staff can treat um, the, the, the cat when they're in and how you can train the staff to to be more flexible with them what else do we want practices to know Um, in this conversation that can help them have greater success getting their cat-owning clients to come on in on a regular basis? Anything we've missed here? I feel like there's... I I think there's a foundation 
about understanding cat behavior. And there's, they are one of the few species that are both predators when they chase mice and bugs and prey. So being predated by other animals. And if you can always have that in mind, that in any situation where there's change, cats don't like change, they're gonna feel threatened and they're gonna feel like they're going to be somebody else's prey. And that is true when you try and put them in the carrier. It's true unless they've been com made comfortable, unless they're habituated. That's true when a stranger comes in the house. Um, that's certainly true when they come in the veterinary office. So if we can do little things to keep that in our mind, like going down on the, onto the floor, like moving slowly, um, leaving them in the exam room for any procedure. I know that's a scary thing for veterinary teams, but just think about if you didn't have to lift that cat up, take it to the back and get it out of its, you know, just where it's all of a sudden all calm, it's a much better experience. It's a much better experience. It's a psychological approach. That's what I think is so interesting, the psychology of the cat, the way a cat thinks, the way a cat acts is very different from the way a dog acts and responds and and you have to work with that you really have to work with the differences that cats present and be flexible with them and adapt to them in order to make them feel comfortable and that is the bottom line right when they're comfortable the pet owner is comfortable and they'll come in I'd like to build on that one because I think you're rolling and maybe you'll be able to interject it. Um, there's also an adage that uh, we say in, amongst our feline uh, friends in, in uh, veterinary medicine, and Dr. Alona Rodan, who is an amazing cat handler, and if you ever get a chance to look at her sessions or, or, or get her book on feline behavior, uh, less is more and more is less and fast is slow, and slow is fast. And that relates to the cat's fearful behavior when they're in unfamiliar surroundings. So move slowly, look slowly, look at them and blink, and that way it's just, it keeps them from getting more aroused and, and heightened arousal. So um, the more you try and do for them, to them, the harder it is to, to have them help you to do that. So it's much more still, pleasant for the pet owner too. Yeah, and it's still experience. gentle. So right. you don't have to use any sort of restraint. You can handle them gently and still get what you need right. in terms of a blood sample or a urine sample or right. whatever. Right. Yeah. This has been a really interesting conversation. I think um, you've brought forth some important points for all practices to remember and to think about when they are actively encouraging their cat owners to come into the practice and to help them make that a more pleasant experience overall. So some really terrific comments. Thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you.